Cloud-first development helps your business move fast, but misconfigurations and blind spots are part of the deal. App and dev teams get the flexibility, while security teams are left with the stress of managing new risk using legacy workflows. ExtraHop RevealX provides cloud-native network detection and response, backed by cloud-scale machine learning that helps you spot threats and unify processes across hybrid environments. Learn more at extrahop.com forward slash security weekly. That's extrahop.com forward slash security weekly. Keep your company and products relevant, competitive, and reliable by standardizing your security framework to protect intellectual property, become a reliable business partner, and guard financial and customer information. Standards Connect is an online standards management solution from ANSI. It's standards access simplified. Standards Connect is a cost-saving, fully customizable solution for entrepreneurs and companies that spend $2,000 or more per year on standards and want to translate spend into a subscription model, want to simplify access, search, monitoring, and collaboration, or need a centralized hub of standards for multiple users at one or more locations. Get a free trial at securityweekly.com forward slash ANSI. That's forward slash A-N-S-I. Welcome back to Business Security Weekly. I am your host, Matt Alderman, joined by Paul Asadorian and Jason Albuquerque. We have exciting news about the Security Weekly webcast program. We are now, our, we are now partnered with ISC Squared as an official CPE provider. If you attend any of our webcasts, you will receive one CPE credit per webcast. Register for one of our upcoming webcasts with Preempt, ServiceNow, or Core Security, or all of them, by going to securityweekly.com. Click the webcast dropdown from the brand new menu and select registration. If you've missed any of our previously recorded webcasts, you can find them in our on-demand library, again, by selecting on-demand from the webcast dropdown in the new menu. We also have exciting news about our programming. Starting this quarter, Security Weekly is starting a new podcast called Security and Compliance Weekly, which we rolled out last week, and it will focus on the integration of security and compliance. We're also relaunching and restarting Tradecraft Security Weekly, where we will share the latest tips and techniques for penetration testing. Look for both of these new shows starting later in October. All right, gentlemen, let's get to some articles. Uh, we have some really good ones. Uh, Jason, you had a couple of them in here this week yeah. that were that were really good articles. I think the first one is the five enemies of trustworthy leadership. Yeah. So so we've talked about it on the show before, and, and actually in this, this last segment that we just did, right, how trust is a critical foundation for relationships throughout the business. And, you know, having that, that built trust across uh, an organization with other business units and, and with your team, it, it really creates an environment where your team members can engage, they can innovate, right? They can be successful in achieving goals. And, you know, they, they just have that, that great environment. And I love this article because what it does is it, it allows for folks who are leaders to, to look at these five different aspects and kind of do a level of introspection, right? And it says, you know, it, it talks about paying attention to these five things because it could be a detractor. It could actually erode trust within your team. So, so I liked it because it's, it's prescriptive. It, it teaches you things you can look out for um, that you can proactively try to make sure you're not doing. Um, you know, and I can go through them quick. It's self-orientation, control, isolation, uh, unreliability, um, let's see. There's another one in here. Well, too. I mean, I don't think anyone dishonesty. Really, dishonesty. I don't yep. think anyone really wants to work with a selfish, controlling, unreliable, and dishonest person. Agreed. But sometimes it's happening organically, and you don't even realize it, right? So I think those, I'm poking fun at the article, but I think that was the point because <laughs> you can do some of these things. Unco in, uh, basically, it's, yeah. it's subconsciously, yeah. I guess we should say, right? Right. Not right. Unconsciously. Yes. Yeah. Unconsciously. <laughs> well. 
<laughs> Depends on how much you've had to drink, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, the couple that I liked was self orientation, right? It's 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 the selfish versus the selfless. And the successful leader is gonna be selfless, right? They're gonna put the needs of the team before their own. But sometimes when the you're in the needs of the many outweigh the needs yeah, of the few. For the few, absolutely, right? So, so you know, it, it, it's it's just consciously so focusing on. So radiation is leaking. You got no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Star, Star Trek, joke. <laughs> but from I mean, from that perspective, it's it, it's really putting the team first, right? And and sometimes when you're under pressure, right. you're under the gun. Sometimes you get into that self-preservation mode, right? If you if you have pressure from leadership, pressure from outside the organization, pressure from clients. It can become easy to, to mm -hmm. put yourself first, right? So it's really having that conscious effort to say, listen, I need to be selfless. I need to put the team first. And I need to put the interest of the team first and, and make sure that I'm, that I'm pushing that because what you can end up doing is burning out your own team, mm -hmm. right? And that's, that's the last thing you want to do. And you don't want to erode trust either, right? right? So that was the, one of the key, you know, one of the, one of the top ones for me. The other one was control. And I know a lot of folks in, in technology, um, especially once you get up to the leadership uh, side of the aisle, um, you kind of still like to keep that control in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? You you want to make sure things are going your way, the way that you like to see it, and letting the, loose of the, letting loose yeah. of the control of the execution is sometimes hard, right? I think it's one of the most common mistakes. I and things that people struggle I with. I agree. And it's off this list, I would say control. Yeah, right. control. Because control. Uh, we've been groomed to kind of take control of things, right? And, mm -hmm. and really um, build solutions and, and build um, strategies and, right. and, and really take, right. take the reins. As you progress as a leader, you get to learn a little bit. You have to let it go, go, right? And, yeah. and one of the things I, I had done fairly early in my career when I became a leader, and I think, honestly, I think military kind of helped with this. Yeah. Um, because they build that, that level of environment where you, you have to kind of let loose a little bit and let, mm -hmm. let the troops take a little bit right. of that control over um you know that's that's one thing i had to make a conscious decision of listen i'm gonna let go of my engineering skill set a little bit and and give the reins over to my staff and kind of like what's hard is you're still responsible exactly it's the leader that that's it <laughs> that's, i mean that's the hard part but that's that's the blessing and the curse of leadership yep right you mm -hmm. have yep. to be accountable when things don't go right but you mm -hmm. also have to let loose of some of that control and allow your team you hired your team for a reason right you need to be able to trust them to get the job done Otherwise, you shouldn't have hired. Right. Agreed. At the end of the day. And, and I like how this article actually ties into the third article. I'm going to skip number two for a mm -hmm. second. And that is the highest performing teams have these four mindsets. Right. It, and we just talked about them in the previous article. Right. Teams need clarity above all else. Mm -hmm. They need to embrace conflict in order to grow. They thrive on trust. And high-performance teams lead themselves, which means yeah. they control their own destiny, right? We just talked about two of these uh, in, mm -hmm. in that previous article. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, we're in an environment where, you know, transformation and, and technology is growing so mm. fast that we have to have these tight-knit teams. We don't have a choice these days because things are moving so quickly. You have to be flexible. You need to be able to respond quickly. And if you don't let loose of some of that control and allow your team to go out there and innovate, you're not going to be successful, right? Your, your yeah. organization is just not, not going to be successful. But the key, especially in this article, is your team needs to know why they're actually doing what they do. Yeah, they need, they need goals, to know the reason right. why, right? So that's the, the first same, piece of it. They, the they same need mission and yeah. goals and clear goals and objectives. One hundred percent. And then you don't need to bombard them with meetings all the time. No, and such, no. Right. I like that's why I like number four. Yep. Lead themselves. Right. Yeah. One hundred percent. Because let's that, face it, nobody likes meetings. No. Nobody and, likes meetings. And, and, and you know, there are so many meetings that I go to where I say this could have been handled over a phone call. Yeah. Legit, we could have had a fifteen-minute phone call, figured out the solution, and gone on with our day. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And, and I think the other missing piece here that a lot of people don't realize is actually a benefit is conflict is okay. Mm. Innovation comes out of conflict and Agreed. disagreements and mm -hmm. negotiation. That, mm -hmm. That's a good thing. As long as it's controlled and it doesn't get out of hand, right? right. And you as the leader kind of have to set that example of having uh, value-add debate within your organization, it's going to lead to innovation. So allow it to happen. Allow for those things to progress. Because as a leader, you can learn things. Well, Because you know, I think it instinctively when you're first put into that leadership role, and I've seen this uh, both in my own experiences as a leader and you know working for others, is that you tend to, when there's conflict, shy away from it. Right. And I think embracing conflict mm -hmm. is not waiting until someone comes to you and saying like, I don't agree with our direction. I don't agree with the you know mm -hmm. perspective we have on this project or whatever the technology we're using or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes leaders will like let that fester. Like I've been working on teams yeah. and like, I, I think now I look back on it, like they knew maybe that I didn't agree with the direction, mm -hmm. but uh, the really the best leaders would come to me before I said anything yeah. be like, what do you think of this? Like, you know, and just kind of sense that, and I'm That's sure right. you do this, you know, and I know both of you do this too, mm -hmm. right? You kind of sense that someone doesn't agree just by subtle cues they give. 100%. And just go to them. Like, you know, I want to know your thoughts. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, don't, I, don't hold back. Like, let's. Right. I, I would say for leaders, one of, the, one of the best thing you can do is, is study emotional intelligence. Yeah. Being able to yeah. read people, right? Being able to, to, to know when something's happening, know right. when something's wrong. That's one thing when, you know. Because most of the time that team member's on something because they're the ones in the trenches. Absolutely. And then when they're on something, you, you want to hear it, and it, right? And, and it's as simple as, hey, is everything okay? Yeah. Right? It's, it's that conversation. Is everything okay? Well, let's, let's talk about it. Let's, mm -hmm. let's have a conversation. And sometimes it could just be a level of clarity because mm -hmm. their perspective may be different right. than other people's perspectives or your perspective. And if you can give them that level of clarity, it could solve the problem right then and there because they right. understand the mission. They understand yeah. the reason and why. And sometimes, oftentimes, you find you take a piece of that and you're like, yeah, that's something I need to go fix. And you go back to management Absolutely. or the customer 100%. and you're like, Okay, no. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's, yeah. 100%. That's the other side of it. Right. If, if, if they come to you with a, a problem and you realize, wow, this really is a problem and yeah. I was blind to it, it was right. a blind spot for me, that's incredible on the staff member. Number one, you should be praising that staff member for, for raising it. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then it's something you can take the, to the business. And typically what I like to do is I like to, you know, if someone raises something of that level of criticality where I have to take it to the, to the leadership of the business, I make sure that I'm telling the other leaders throughout the organization right. who actually found the issue. Right? I'm not going to take the credit for that. It's my team right. member. Mm -hmm. They deserve to get that level of recognition, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this also ties into the innovation story, which is the one I skipped to go to the, the, the team one, which mm -hmm. is uh, five things leaders do that stifle innovation. And, and we've t again, we these three articles have a lot of intertwined components yeah. here in, in when we think about it. But things like unconscious neglect, right? Mm -hmm. you, you know somebody isn't happy internally and, and you're unconsciously neglecting to, to go out and talk to them and understand what's going on and maybe make a change, right? Mm -hmm. It's, yeah. it's over, being overprotective or overconfident in what you're doing. These things can stifle innovation. There, you know, Paul, you and I, when we were at Tenable, um, saw aspects of this, right? We, mm -hmm. we saw a little bit of this across the team, right? We were making some major changes to try to take you know, two products and bring them together. But there was a lot of concerns and in, in sometimes maybe a little overconfidence in how mm -hmm. long it would take us to actually build that new yeah. thing. Um, you know, th and these things can kill innovation because now they have 
dramatic ramifications now, two plus years later, when you think about where that company is in their ability to innovate and stay relevant in the marketplace. These are things that can really hurt an organization. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the lessons learned that I took out of this is that, you know, it, it had this, it had this few sentences, this paragraph that basically said, we have more data than ever. But business analytics and performance metrics are not enough to build a good team, mm. right? It's not enough to take your organization to the top. If you want to be a competitor in the market, you need to make sure you have emotionally intelligent leaders. That's mm -hmm. that emotional intelligence, right? Because you have to be doing these certain things. They actually called, you know, they, they called these things derailers, all of these different topics, right? You don't want to have de derailers running rampant through your organization. So focus on these things to make sure that you're creating these teams that are innovative and feel comfortable being mm -hmm. innovative, right? Because as a leader, I want to make sure that I'm telling my team, number one, it's okay to go outside your boundaries. Mm -hmm. It's okay to get out of your lane if you want to focus on innovation. I actually force innovation time into my team's calendars. I ask them to set time aside, strictly focused on innovation. And number two, it's okay to fail. Mm. It's okay. You can spend time on things. You can research things. You can build things. It's okay if it fails. Right. As long as it's in a controlled environment, it's not affecting our production yeah, systems, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? But I, I, I have to create an environment where they, can, where they can fail, where they can test things out and allow them to fail. Mm -hmm. That's great. Uh, I had to bring in this remote worker's guide uh, to work-life balance. I am a remote worker. I've been mm -hmm. a remote worker since 2000, late 2008, early 2009. So, I, I mean, I've been, I've been remote for a long time. And... The article starts out by saying remote workers are typically more productive, six to nine hours a day versus people that are on-prem. And we can debate those numbers a little bit, but, but I know I'm, I'm highly efficient at home. I'm, I'm in my space. I don't have external distractions. I can just go. Yeah. But the challenge to that is sometimes you don't let go yeah. either. Right. And that's the big one with me is I'll just constantly work. Yeah. Right. Which is not a good work life balance right. when you're home all the time. So this article points out a couple things to help with that balance. Uh, the first one is schedule out your week according to blocks. Of course, uh, if, if you think about mm -hmm. my schedule, Paul's schedule, too, you know, we're doing we're each doing four podcasts a week now. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I've got to block out time for prep. I got to all the time for the shows. And so I have to be very specific about blocking out certain functions on my calendar to stay very focused mm -hmm. during the week because uh, we just have a lot of things going on. So I think this is a really uh, good tip to help people. Um, yeah, no, I actually, I, I love this article. I mean, num number one, reading the article made me realize why I actually like to go into the office, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I do. I love FaceTime, right? I love to go in the office. And, and some of the things in here about the folks who aren't remote workers ring true. I actually get the opportunity, if I'm going to fill my cup of water, to have a conversation and kind of break away from the daily grind in the whirlwind. Mm -hmm. and, and it made me realize that if I were to ever go back to becoming a remote worker, I'd have to be uber-structured with my day. I'd have to set time aside to actually break loose, right? Leave my office, go get lunch, I don't know, call a buddy, something, right? Um, just to kind of break loose from that, that, that whirlwind mm -hmm. and that daily grind because I have the personality where I would get overly consumed with work. Mm -hmm. And I don't want it to adversely f affect my my uh, ability to execute, how how strong I am and, and you know sharp I am because I don't want to get burned out, and I don't want it to affect my family life, right? Because I could go sit in my dungeon for sixteen hours a day if right. I had to, right? So it, you know, mm -hmm. 
number one, I'm, I'm thankful that I do go in the office and I can get that level. It's uh, the problem when you like your job. It is, right? <laughs> right? Because you can get you right? can just totally consumed because I do. Mm-hmm. I love what I do. And I would get 100% consumed in it. So I would, be, I would have to be meticulous with scheduling out my entire day. All right, go upstairs and see the kids. <laughs> right? Have yeah, to right. have it right on my calendar. Set a calendar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then it talks about only running work apps at certain times. This mm-hmm. is the one that gets me all the time. I'm constantly on email. I get yelled at it for all the time. Yep. You know, at a certain time, you just you got to stop looking at it. I, I need to be better at this because um, it's one that it impacts me all the time at, you at know, the dinner it's table. It's interesting. One thing I've done lately uh more sort of conserve battery time but i actually like it because i feel like it's less of a distraction mm-hmm. is i don't wake my screen up with notifications yeah anymore right mm-hmm. it'll still ding and stuff like that right 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 but, uh, but you don't I, have that visual cue to yeah go it look doesn't at turn your screen on now yeah. that also helps battery life significantly because yeah. that's a lot of my new smart automation stuff at home was just constantly alerting me and constantly turning on my screen and draining my battery but mm-hmm. by turning that off Matt, right, it makes it easier to to just ignore it, yeah. right? It, it doesn't it. come up like that ding. I'm like, oh, what 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 was that? Now I have to like unlock my phone, go into my notification. So I created yeah. a couple more steps for me uh, to do that. Yeah, which one, I think one, one of the bullet points in here was unplug from work for at least five hours per day. And yep. my question was, does sleeping count? Right. <laughs> yeah. And and I don't think sleeping was included because. You, if you think about that for a second, you're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I sleep for more Five hours. Yeah, wait. I sleep for like yeah. six. <laughs> but no, if you add up sleep and your disconnect time, you're like, wait, there's not enough hours in yeah. the day to get all your right. work done. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, this last article, all I wanted to say was digital tools interrupt workers 14 times a day. Uh, I think we all know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> to the point where we're turning off notifications so right. we stop right. getting distracted right. all the time to make sure that we're doing the things mm-hmm. in the previous article if we're a remote worker. I actually, well, said, I think I actually said only 14. Yeah. <laughs> I think managing your calendar and managing your notifications is not just for every worker, really. Right. Uh, because of the way we're all digitally connected mm-hmm. now is, is super important because there are times when you do need to get certain alerts, like from a calendar, to make sure we do, you don't miss a meeting, right? Um, and differentiating that from the other millions of alerts mm-hmm. that you can go do in batches that don't require your attention. And that's a constant struggle with technology and your desktops, laptops, tablets, phones, mm-hmm. whatever it is, yeah. right? It's just a constant configuration battle as you get new devices and new software all the time. Right? Yeah. It's, it's constant between LinkedIn and Twitter mm-hmm. and which which we use a lot of here because we're getting our content out, we're growing yep. our audiences, and we want to get that out, but there's a ton of notifications that come with that. Then you have calendar and email on top of that, and then mm-hmm. forget about your news feeds. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, right there is six or seven right there, and we haven't yep. even gotten to the rest of your software. <laughs> and what, what I like, too, is when you spend time on the phone, you talk about sleeping, mm-hmm. going to the bathrooms, another one, too, right? Yeah. You, can, you can make work time. I like to not be checking, and this is hard to discipline you, not be checking social media or messages, right, but actually reading articles. Uh, so I use an app called, oh, I use Feedly and mm-hmm. Flipboard, yeah. right? So yeah. rather than scrolling through Twitter, Facebook, or we, responding to email, article. read articles. Yeah. And then flag at least, them. At least make it productive screen time. I flag them for the show. <laughs> right. I had right. actually a dentist appointment last week, and while I was in the waiting room, I flagged like three or four articles mm-hmm. for the show. Yeah. Um, and so that can be really, really productive as well. Yes. This last article I had to pull in here, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, career pathing. And and this is the big seven areas for interview questions. Mm -hmm. And a couple of these, 
I'm like, eh, okay. But if you've ever gone through the interview process, these will all sound pretty familiar. And these are the things you have to be prepared for when you walk into an mm-hmm. interview in big tech and, and a lot of security companies, because you're going to see these similar questions coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I always like the first one, sense of purpose, right? What's your sense <laughs> of purpose um, is an organization. I think this is actually a hard one, not only for the interviewee, if you haven't done it for a while, but also for the interviewer. Yeah. Because deciphering that sense of purpose is a, is very interesting when you're sitting on the other side of the table because you're trying to understand based on how they how they believe their sense of purpose is helps you understand whether they're applying for the right role or not, whether they would be successful in the organization or right. not. And that puts a lot on the interviewer to also interpret that to make sure there's a good fit um, mm-hmm. in that question. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm I asked a similar question in some of my interviews for, for folks and, you know, sometimes the answer has nothing to do with their career or their job, right? Mm. When their sense of purpose is, is community, mm. giving back, right? I mean, it's, it, it tells you a lot about their personality, but it has ex- nothing to do with their, right. their actual career, right? And what they're doing for a job. Yeah. Which is why you see the second one, which is the career pathing mm-hmm. question yeah. about kind of where do you want to see your career going? Again, very interesting, depending on how that question gets answered, on whether they're going to fit or not mm-hmm. fit in an organization. You can flip this, these uh, questions on both sides. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I like the favorite and mistake th- one. That's a good one. Oh, yeah, everybody gets that yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. And times of change, right? Those are two common ones um, that you're always going to get. Uh, what's your favorite mistake and how'd you learn from it? And then how do you deal with um, times of change in the organization. How did you cope and deal with that? Those are two common questions you're going to mm-hmm. see a lot in in the interview process. Yeah, yeah one of, one of the uh, things I actually I learned from this article, and, and I'm going to look it up and do a little bit more research on it, is the the framework for interviewing called STAR. I, that's not something I've ever heard of, right? So it's an acronym for Situation, Task, Action, and Results. And basically, the philosophy is to ask the who, what, when, where, while trying to listen for a how. So I want to do a little bit more research on that and see what that's all about. Yeah, you probably interview a lot more people, Jason, on a day-to-day basis than Paul and I do, except for Paul's got a bunch of developers to go mm-hmm. interview. Yes, if you're a developer and you want to come work here, <laughs> careers at securityweekly.com. <laughs> We're accepting applications. Sign up now. Sign up now. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next week on Business Security Weekly. <laughs>